0: AI is just the latest in technologies that allows us to produce a lot more goods and services uh, with less labor. And overwhelmingly, over the last hundred years, that has been great for society. I mean, we used to all have to go out and farm. Uh, we barely got enough food. When the weather was bad, people would starve. Now, through better seeds, fertilizer, lots of things, most people are not farmers. And so AI will bring us immense new productivity. Now, it'll bring it quickly enough that adjusting uh, for that and really understanding uh, how do we train people for the new jobs, uh, how do we have the the benefits programs work the right way? uh, That's a, a very key thing, but it will allow us to take this shortage where we don't have enough people to go out and work with elderly people or reduce class size or help special needs kids. Uh, this extra productivity is, is a very, very good thing used in an enlightened way. Someday we'll even get to the point where we can say, hey, people don't have to work uh, super long hours. They can have periods of their l- life they don't work as much. Now, what will that mean? Uh, that's the sort of more social philosophical side. We'll have to answer that. But AI can be our friend in terms of allowing us to take these huge shortages, both here in the US and the world at large, and provide to everyone uh, what only a few people are able to get today.
1: You just heard Bill Gates talk about the impending technology gains and its impact on jobs and productivity. It's no surprise that technology is displacing jobs and opportunities, but what is going to be relevant with all the advances taking place? Where are the jobs of the future, going to come from. We have just the person to talk to, Dr. Seth Benzel, MIT Digital Economist and Assistant Professor at Chapman University. Seth helps us understand how new technologies could impact employment and the jobs of tomorrow. Check it
2: out. An engineer, banker and dancer go on a hike.
1: They realize how things have changed and start a podcast.
3: Hi, I'm Jed, the banker.
2: I'm Shikar, the engineer. And I'm Adrian, the dancer. And we are THC.
3: We break down topics, meet pioneers, and share ideas.
1: Welcome
2: to Things Have Changed. I wanted to learn about universities investing in STEM and trying to help students and the new young workforce and even older workforce that might be going back to university to get more skills and be more competitive in the labor market. Is this helping any substantial way to really increase the skills that people have to stay competitive and uh, basically allows them to get out of that job market that is really under pressure from automation?
4: Well, it's an absolutely fantastic question, right? So trying to think about um, what sort of advice would you give people moving forward and kind of where are the jobs of the future going to come from and how can we prepare people for those jobs? So I definitely think that universities and re-education have a huge role to play in trying to. A, boost growth, and B, try to solve some of these inequality issues that we've been talking about. Um, I think there's obviously some ways in which universities do a cool job of reducing inequalities sort of on their face. And let me get those out of the way, and then we'll come back to some of the more techie, interesting ones. So, you know, um, a university in a col- in a rural area can certainly bring a lot of intelligent, uh, creative people into uh, a region. And those people might start new, dynamic, exciting businesses for the locals to participate in. And even if they don't get educated themselves, there might be exciting opportunities from the spillovers of having a highly educated Uh, research-focused area near you. And it's certainly the case that to run a university, you need plenty of high-end people, but you also need a lot of uh, people to keep the lights running, and those can be really good paying jobs also. And there's that mixing too, right? Universities, there's plenty of good universities in big, rich cities, but there's also plenty of good universities sort of out in the countryside. And maybe one sort of idea moving forward for trying to reduce some of this inequality is to try to In more invest in building more of these land-grant universities in struggling uh, economically regions to try to infuse some of that technology and some of that dynamism and some of those opportunities into different regions. And I definitely think there should be more funding from the United States government uh, and from businesses into research and development uh, to both boost growth and to create more and more of these opportunities. And so, a good sort of just sort of basic way to try to reduce inequality and to get more people participating on the positive side of these technological changes would be more land-grant universities out there with more research funding in order to get more people involved and to get us more cool, new, exciting, dynamic ideas. Um, so maybe we can't, maybe maybe instead of a thousand troubadours, we only have one Spotify. Well, let's try to make a thousand Spotify's. That's sort of the logic there, right? Where they all find their own niche and there's plenty for everybody to have, be the master of their own superstar domain, right? Um, so, but what are these new sorts of jobs that we wanna try to prepare people for? So uh, David Autor, who's uh, a very, very well-known economist uh, for speaking on these issues of inequality, skill bias, technological change, um, uh, globalization, et cetera, he kind of has this taxonomy where he divides um, new jobs into sort of three categories. Three categories he has, and I think this is a useful taxonomy, so I'm stealing it. Are last mile jobs, which we talked about a little bit, and I'll re-explain those. Um, luxury jobs and kind of uh, new tech jobs. Okay, so let's let's go in order. Some of these are easier. To, so the new tech jobs are easy, right? So that's programmers. Those are people installing solar panels. Those are what we usually think about when we think about um, jobs of the future, right? People directly using and implementing the new technologies. Again, so computer programmers, people installing solar panels. So those are some jobs of the future. A second wave of jobs of the future are what we call like these last mile jobs. And functionally, a lot of them are gonna end up being gig economy jobs because they're gonna require a huge amount of flexibility, right? So what's a last mile job? So think about uh, the task of uh, delivering a package somewhere, right? So uh, Amazon is super good at automating and designing and using artificial intelligence to make sure that boxes get to every different warehouse across America. But because driverless cars aren't there yet, um, what they do is they pay people to show up at the factory. It's done as a gig on your app, as an app on your phone and uh, people go and take those boxes and bring it to people's doorsteps. Right? So the idea here is there's this part of the process that Amazon has done a really good job of automating and making highly efficient. And then there's like a last step of the process that you still need a human to do. And you can imagine that even if we were able to, um, Get driverless uh, technology going so that the trucks themselves, moving the big packages up and down the highway, were fully automated. Well, there's still the guy who has to move the box from the truck to your front door, right? And if you can't design a robot to do that, well, you're going to need a guy, go- a, a human sitting in that truck the entire time just to move the box to your front door. So that's an example of last mile job. And you might imagine all sorts of circumstances where we have some sort of automated process that's out there in the wild that we need some guy to show up and resolve if something comes up right again like think about like what if we had uh one of those like little pizza delivery robots that's going around delivering pizza gets stuck somewhere right well you're going to need to hire a guy to go and rescue the robot right
2: Jed I got to experience these uh they looked like rc cars with like <laughs> a, a box basically put on top of it and we'd walk around campus and we'd see these things. Uh, I forget what were they called? Jed? Do you remember?
3: I do not remember, but they, some of them could talk, dude. It, it was so
2: weird. No, no. Some I of think- them you
3: could push over and they'd be like, Hey, and I'm like, Whoa, dude, <laughs>
2: that thing just talked and, and, to me. and we would, we would joke around and like Snapchat videos of like them, like struggling. Cause they like fell into a pit or something or like off the sidewalk. And they're just like struggling, like no way to upright. You know what themselves. I've seen
3: though? I've seen a dude, just completely random dude. We'll just, I don't know if he, he just out of the goodness of his heart or something <laughs> like that, but if something, something's messed up, if I'm watching it for like 20 minutes, some dude will come and like fix it.
2: Oh, okay.
1: I'm
3: like, all right, cool. Uh,
1: yeah,
2: you will, they're, they're called Kiwi, Kiwi food no, 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 delivery they're called right uh, thought, Last
3: mile people is what they're
1: called. <laughs> the way you set it up, I thought he would just come and just end it. And its misery. So
4: in in
3: Berkeley, I wouldn't be surprised if some dude was doing that shit. You know? <laughs> if some yeah. socialist no, was going like, fuck this but people would mess with them for sure.
5: <laughs> hey THC fans. Before we get into more jobs of the future talk with Seth Benzel, we wanted to share some exciting news with you. On September eighteenth, Things Have Changed we will be participating in the Forward Conference by LSX, a platform that is building the first visibility as a service platform that helps early stage startups connect with media channels of the future. The Forward Conference is designed to focus on the future of media, which really includes podcasting. We're gonna be participating in the future of podcasting segment. We're gonna share some really cool stories. If you're interested, Click on the forward link in the description of this podcast and use the discount code THC20 for a 20% discount on tickets. Also, we've been reaching out to the THC community to give everyone a platform to share a message in our community. We'll be including these testimonials in every THC episode. Here's Leanne from London. Hi, I'm Leanne and I work in cybersecurity in London. I love listening to THC to stay posted on the latest from the world of economics and discover cool and innovative startups. Get your dose of THC now with new episodes every Monday. Thanks, Leanne. We appreciate you for being part of the THC community. Now to get back to Seth and the future
3: of jobs. One thing on this topic, I guess, that I'm I'm curious about is I I haven't looked at the numbers at all, but aren't we divesting from like arts and humanities as we're uh, focusing more of our resources on like math and, and STEM? And is is that a good approach? Because that I feel like some of the jobs uh, that require personal touch is it's gonna be harder, I guess, to replace with with robots. So like are we causing the end of human race by making everybody mathematicians and and um, you know people working in STEM? It's always, uh, you know, it has a positive outcome to our, our GDPs, but I don't know, man. If we don't have any philosophers anymore, I don't know what's going to happen to who thinks about if this shit is right or not. Economists?
4: Yo, that's- <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, the economists are often known as worldly philosophers or dismal, dismal philosophers.
3: I listen to. You. Uh, we tell you about.
4: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you listened to the partially examined life one.
3: Yeah, 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 that was really yeah.
4: interesting. Oh, I'm glad. I'm really glad you enjoyed that. So, if anyway, uh, I will, I will plug my other favorite podcast on your podcast, which is everyone should listen to. Uh, partially Examined Life, which is an absolutely fantastic podcast. I'm friends with um, uh, one of the hosts and uh, couldn't recommend it more highly. And of course, listen to my episode about uh, the philosophy nice. of economics.
1: That, that was a good plug. It's like it's a great show. <laughs> But this is uh, a really cool yeah, episode.
4: Yeah. They talked <laughs> about yeah, yeah. so Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so awesome question, Jed. Uh, let me make one more. Um, let me list the third kind of job, and then I'll answer that question. Okay. So what's the third kind of job of the future? Well, these luxury wealth jobs, right? So, you know, you, you look at these, sometimes these job posting boards, and the shit just gets sillier and sillier sometimes. There's stuff like, you know, luxury dog grooming, luxury um, uh, uh, therapy, luxury apartment organization, right? So the side of the third category of job that's emerging is emerging because of how rich the top 3% is becoming, right? And so now they've got way, way too much money. Well, some of that's got to go to paying workers to do something for them. So, you know, they invent these sort of luxuries, right? And some of them are legitimately nice things. I think it's a wonderful thing that many, many more people have access to therapy these days. Um, and so that's, so you might think of that as a third category where it's like, these jobs have always exist. It's not like we invented talk therapy in the last 10 years, but as the country becomes richer, and especially as the top 3% becomes richer, they can afford more of these really kind of one-on-one personal services that aren't automated, personal coaching, therapy, um, things like that, and these are, jobs are a lot more of this sort of interpersonal service variety that you just brought up, Jet, right? Um, does America need philosophers? Yes, I think we do. Do we need, right now, how does that translate into policy about universities? It's not 100% clear to me, right? Um, our universities are really tasked sort of with this really sort of diverse set of goals, you know, one of which is to be kind of one of the core institutions of learning and knowledge and respectability and understanding and uh, adjectives that have nothing to do with wealth. And on the other hand, they uh, have to be you know, training our workforce of the future. And you think about all these super important professional schools that produce lawyers and doctors and engineers and computer scientists. Um, and so uh, Jed, you know, I'm just gonna have to say that we need to have our cake and eat it too. I think universities are gonna have to be able to walk in chew their gum at the same time. And uh, does that mean that we need to teach our computer scientists more philosophy Or does that mean that we need to uh, train people who might be doing service jobs more philosophy? Um, Or does this mean that we shouldn't be increasing the share of our education which is in STEM? I don't know exactly the answer, but I can give you some data points that might be interesting to think about. So one data point that is really interesting to think about is um, I've done some research on returns to skills of different kinds over the last, again, we're talking about over the last 30 or 40 years. And there's been some excellent research by this, in addition to by me, by this guy, by the name of David Deming. And so we talked about before that one class of jobs that are doing uh, poorly in the new economy are these routine jobs, right? Because we think that they're particularly susceptible to automation. So you can divide jobs into routine versus non-routine. Another way to divide jobs is by like different kinds of skills. And the two that I'm going to focus on are like leadership skills and cooperation skills, right? And you might think that um, leadership and cooperation, that these are pretty closely intertwined concepts. And in some ways they are, but in some ways they're pretty different too. So it is certainly the case that um, incomes for people with like, high-end computer science skills have gone up a lot and high-end engineering skills have gone up a lot. But it's also the case that people who have really good leadership abilities, their incomes have gone up a lot, right? Now, you should think about like top executives at businesses, managers, people who can get a lot of work out of maybe a less educated workforce, or alternatively, be able to really enable a super highly educated workforce and set goals and set clear outcomes, people with those leadership skills, which are, you know, partly STEM, obviously, there's some math in being a leader and some, you know, cost-benefit analysis, but a lot of those are interpersonal skills that help you um, get the most out of people, organize people, and um, I wouldn't necessarily call those STEM skills, right? On the other hand, we've seen great employment growth for people in cooperative occupations, right? So if you think about working in a factory in one of those routine jobs, they're not very cooperative, right? It's you stand here and you move this thing into this box, right? Of course, any job involves working with other people, but on a scale of how closely you need to coordinate with others, not so much, right? Those sorts of factory jobs. But when you think about the sort of service jobs that have the sort of more low end, less lower income service jobs that have replaced those factory jobs, they do require a lot more cooperation. Again, it's things like working in a restaurant, working in facilities maintenance, working in landscaping. These are jobs where you have to like do a lot of coordination with people. And what I'd like to point out is the leadership jobs, there aren't more of them. But they've become more highly constant, co- compensated, right? Instead of, you know, we're, we're seeing kind of less managers, but the, the managers who are able to land those jobs are doing great, right? Uh, or maybe I shouldn't say less managers, but less, a slower growth, relatively slower growth in the rate of production of managers. And maybe that's in part because they've been boosted by these information technologies. Maybe it's part because managing is more winner-take-all as we get bigger businesses. You know, Spotify can afford to get the best manager instead of having to settle for the 200th best manager, right? Um, But these cooperation jobs, even though a lot of people have been flowing into these positions and um, their wages have stagnated, right? So we've seen a lot more people working in these cooperative jobs but because there's been an oversupply of people with these skills and if you think about cooperation it's a kind of skill that a lot of people don't officially get trained in it's just a kind of a skill that a lot of people are sort of they could use it in their job or they might not use it in their job that's been a less compensated uh refuge so it's been a refuge for people forced out of these routine jobs but it's not been super highly compensated and so now to circle back to your question of like, what are the skills we should train people in that aren't STEM skills? Well, I guess the answer is we want to train people in more of these leadership skills, that those are the ones that uh, are sort of more lack in demand. And those are the ones that are getting the really nice jobs. These are the, these cooperative skills where there, there's certainly a lot of job growth in them, but a lot of people sort of have those skills already.
3: Gotcha. As you were talking about those in the third type of job, I was thinking about like people who have jobs, they're like head of culture now.
1: Hey, thanks so much for listening to our show this week. You could subscribe to us. And if you're feeling generous, well, you could even leave us a review. Trust me, it goes a long, long way. You could also follow THC at THC underscore pod on Twitter and LinkedIn. This is Things Have Changed.